What is going on, everybody? How we doing? Welcome back to another edition of the In The Round podcast. My name is Matt For Real, and uh, we are on camera now. You can find our episodes on YouTube. We have got Mr. Matt McElwain recording these episodes. And uh, today for our first video episode, uh, really cool guest, we have got Miss Meg Patrick. And uh, we talk about all kinds of stuff. She really opens up with us and uh, tells us about her thoughts on some different things, talks about the music, uh, what she's got coming up, and uh, yeah, all kinds of cool shit. So y'all stick around for that conversation. Before we get into that, i got to tell y'all about our sponsors. First and foremost, our friends at Whale Tail Media, our partners in this, Whales, BZ, Gracie, the whole crew, our content specialists. Uh, we love them dearly. Make sure you check them out, whaletailmedia.com. Second, we have got our friends at Saxman Studios, Grady Saxman and the boys over there. Great supporters in the scene. If you're looking to get something recorded here in Nashville, Tennessee, hit those boys up. They are very good at what they do. They work hard and uh, they will have your back as an artist here in Nashville, Tennessee. And last but certainly not least, our friends in the green world. That's right. We're talking about Andrew and Matt and the team at Trailside CBD. Emporium, Trailside Wellness Emporium. They are the shit. They've been behind us for a long time now, and um, they specialize in anything CBD, anything hemp, and of course that tasty legal Delta 8 THC. And we got a promo code with them. You use promo code ITR at checkout, you save 20% on your order. Anything you can smoke, vape, eat. They even got shit for your dogs. Go check them out. TrailsideCBD.com. Use the promo code ITR at checkout and you save yourself 20% off. Now, without further ado, we're going to get into the episode. Y'all get ready for this one. We have Meg Patrick on the In The Round podcast. A little clap. Well, how the hell are you doing today, Miss Meg Patrick? Uh, well... I got to write a song today, um, so yeah, that's pretty dope. I like I like doing that. <laughs> nice, that's good. You got to experience some fun Nashville traffic that we all get to. Oh yeah, that was definitely my favorite part of the day. <laughs> you got Absolutely. stuck on a damn train. Yeah, I was like, well, after I got off the interstate, I was like, okay, I'm so close, and then I waited forever to turn onto this street, and like nobody was letting anybody in, and then finally, I was like, all right. This next time, it's, it's going to happen. And then I see that there's a train. I was like, of course there is. <laughs> so <laughs> It goes like that. How long have you been living here in Nashville? Uh, it's been almost five years. Almost five years? Damn. Yeah. Okay, so you've gotten, you've had your plenty of taste of Nashville traffic yeah. and all that shit. Yeah, I mean, luckily, I've, I've never lived super far out of town, so I, I don't have to experience it on a daily basis. Just, you know, for special occasions, like coming to see you guys, you know. <laughs> hey, there you go. You're yeah, coming, coming over here to the east side. Um, yep. But yeah, so growing up in growing up in Canada, so you're from Ontario. Mm -hmm. You're you're um, you're very you've, you've done a lot in, in that scene and mm -hmm. done a lot here now now in Nashville. And um, so what was that transition kind of like coming coming down to the States? And um, you know, I mean, it was kind of something that was always in the back of my mind, you know, it was kind of always sort of the angle was, was to end up here. Um, and I, and I thought about moving here actually sooner than I did, but then I ended up getting an offer for a record deal in Canada and it was a really good deal. I loved the team there. And so it kind of made sense to put in a couple years and, you know, build, build an audience and a career in Canada. And then, um, and I, at that point I didn't really have like a game plan yet. I just knew that I, that was going to be my focus for at least the next couple of years. And 
I mean, honestly, things things happened and took off pretty fast for me, which which was great because, I mean, it was fast in that sense, but I also had been waiting for that moment since, you know, the the most of my the rest of my life you yeah. know I'd been playing in bands um it, I had several bands growing up you know starting from when I was like 13 um and I I studied music in in college and had a couple different bands during those times my last band before I went solo was a bluegrass band and so that was like really my first taste of touring we made a couple records ourselves just independently um and then you know, when that kind of, when we went our separate ways, that was when I started doing the solo thing. So anyway, that after a couple of years, I got to a point where, um, you know, if I wasn't touring, I was in Nashville writing anyway. And so I was like hardly home and there were just not a lot of reasons to be there anymore. And I also felt like the more time I spent in Nashville, you know, when I would come home, it just didn't really feel like it's where I needed to be anymore. Yeah. I felt you know, I just I felt really kind of uninspired and, and I wasn't as motivated when I was at home because I was I wasn't around other musicians and other people doing what I was doing. So it was like easy to fall back into like, you know, what my friends back home were doing. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I just I wasn't focused the way I wanted to be. So I was actually on tour. My, my first big tour that I did was um, with Tom Cochran. Nice. In Canada. Yeah. Kind of a random tour. But yeah. it was, you know, I took it because I mean, one, I just wanted to play regardless but I also feel like it was it was a really good exercise for me as an entertainer because um you know I it wasn't really my demographic or my genre you know and so I had to walk out on stage every night and 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 learn how to like read the crowd and how to win them over um which you know was not really my my normal yeah audience absolutely so I was out on that tour and you know, I was had been in a relationship and we had just broken up and I was like trying to figure out like where am I going to live when I get yeah. back from this this tour. And then I was like, wait a minute, like why am I even staying in Canada? Like there's nothing left there for me anymore. And so I came back and within probably 36 hours, I had packed up my truck in the U-Haul and drove down to Nashville. Hell yeah. So, yeah, it was it happened quick when I made the decision. Yeah, and you found like a group of friends, like mm-hmm. the, we, I know Farron and your yourself and Lainey and and mm-hmm. Ashlyn and, and Jenna and Casey. It's they coined the term the bad bitches they, of yeah, Nashville. They are. Y'all, they are y'all, mm-hmm. y'all, y'all, y'all do like the last because I've been here. It'll be three years um, at the end of this month, mm-hmm. and it's like and so from like 2018 on, even before that. Y'all were making a lot of noise here in town, but around that time, like I remember going to going to Whiskey Jam and just kind of seeing mm-hmm. everybody blowing up at that yeah. point. So that had to be cool to come into town. Like, when did you first get in touch? When did you become friends with all those so, powerful ladies? <laughs> so this is this is the crazy thing, and it was like it really felt like like a god thing when I when I moved here. Like, obviously, you know, I I felt good about the move, but it was still scary. Like, it was a huge change, yeah. you know, and and I didn't really know a lot of people here. Um, other than like some people that I'd written with. Um, and so literally the first night, like I had driven from Canada that morning with Oliver, my guitar player, you know, 14 hour drive, we get in and I was like, dude, I'm like, let's just leave all this stuff. Let's go get a beer somewhere. Been a long day. And so I don't remember how we ended up at, I think it was basement East. And so we're waiting outside to go in and I hear this voice behind me. So, so Casey and I had started following each other on social media before I ever moved. We'd never met. We didn't know each other. It was just kind of like, you seem cool. Like I'm going to follow you. I like your music. We were both into hunting and you know, all that stuff. So I'm standing there and I hear Megan Patrick. And I'm like, 
who knows me here? Like, she's like, hey, it's me, Casey Tindall. <laughs> and, and she like runs up and she's like, what are you doing here? I thought she lived in Canada. And I was like, well, I actually like literally just moved here today. And she was like, oh my gosh. She's like, well, you, you need to meet my roommate Lainey and you need to come out to the house. Like there's no real country ass girls in this town. And like, you're like a real country ass bitch. Like you out there hunting yeah. and shit. Like she's going off. And I was just like, okay, like great. Yeah, like I would love that. And it's like, with girls, like, girls don't really do that, you know? They don't really, like, just come up and, like, be nice to you yeah. <laughs> sometimes and, like, be like, hey, let's be friends, like, unless sometimes there's, like, some kind of ulterior motive or, you know, whatever, especially within the industry because sometimes it can feel very kind of competitive, you know? Yeah. And and part of that, and this is going off on a tangent a little bit, but... Hey, you're do, good. You, you say whatever you want. <laughs> I mean, I'll do that. You can, you can rein me in. I get a little chatty, but, like, you know, part of that, that whole atmosphere comes from the fact that you know, the the way the industry has been for women in country, and it's definitely getting better now. Yeah. But there was a period of time where we were all talking about it, you know, the lack of women. on Tomato country. gate, baby. Yeah, yeah. tomato gate. It was a right. real thing. It was a real thing. And so, you know, I think it really did breed this energy amongst women in the industry that, like, we had to be competitive with each other because there was only room for one of us. And, like, there kind of was <laughs> at the time, you know. And so I was just so grateful to meet these girls like immediately when I, when I moved there. And like I said, it, it was a God thing. It was like, God was like telling me, this is where you're supposed to be. These are the people you're supposed to meet. And you know, they've become, they're, they're not even, I don't even call them friends. I mean, they're my family and they're my biggest inspirations and they're so talented. They work so hard. You know, we all kind of have our own thing that we do and we genuinely support each other and, and, and lift each other up. We're not competitive. We don't get jealous and weird about things, you know, like we, because we all believe that when one of us succeeds, we all do. And it just, Absolutely. you know, it just opens more doors for all of us. And, you know, I talked to Mitchell about this and, and, you know, he, he kind of compares us to like his sort of guy group. You know, he came up with Devin Dawson and, and Hardy and Jordan Schmidt and like all these guys that all write and have now become really successful artists and writers and producers and stuff. And he's like, when I see, I look at y'all and I think of you as being, being that, you know? And so that's, I mean, that's a compliment to me. So I'm like, shit, if we can do half of what, <laughs> what y'all have done, then yeah. we'll be killing it. So. Yeah. Cause there really is. I mean, and you're, you're starting to see it with, with radio stuff. You're starting to see it with tour slots and it's like, you guys aren't just singing like stereotypical songs. Like y'all write the real shit. Mm -hmm. Y'all are all so uniquely yourselves. Yeah. And like, when you go and watch a, a Meg Patrick show, you're going to, you're going to come out there with that harmonica. You're going to rock <laughs> that freaking crap. Same thing with Lainey. Same thing. Same yeah. No, that's the thing. Casey too. And Ashlyn, mm -hmm. the, the whole crew is so entertaining and yeah. it's, it's refreshing. And it's been cool to watch that over mm -hmm. the last few years, especially because I yeah. feel like for some reason, the last few years, it's really, like, picked up. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, and now, you know, with Lainey getting her first number one, yeah. you know, like, that was, like, that was, like, a such a win, like, to all of us. Like, we've all been, like, cheering for her. And, you know, I can't tell you how many stories I've posted of her playing that song on rounds being, like, if this doesn't go number one, like, y'all are all wrong. Like, y'all are crazy, you know? And we all felt that way. And so, you know, it's just like it's seeing like for Mitchell, like for them, it was Devin was that yep. first one to get that that number one of that that group or well, I guess it went to two, but whatever. It's, <laughs> it's a number one. It's yes. a smash, whatever yes. it is, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's not not one of those like all of those girls are so much more than just a pretty face. They're all fantastic writers. They're great entertainers. They're, they're good human beings. They their work ethic is unmatched. I mean, those girls work their asses off. We all do. And so. 
it they're easy to root for and incredible hangs and incredible hangs that's the other thing too is like just going after after a whiskey jam over to losers or red door yeah some of the some of the best times you could have in nashville is with you and and your friends yeah i don't don't know what i do without them truly i mean this this is such a hard industry and it kicks your ass so hard sometimes and you know there's there's always peaks and valleys and sometimes you know there's going to be lots of times in our group where some of us are on a high and some of us are on a low some of us are going through some shit you know we lose a deal or changing management or whatever it is or a single you know doesn't hat doesn't work or whatever like and we all just are there for each other for the highs and the lows and you know that's just so I've never really had that actually to be honest with with like other girls you know, I grew up, I was always kind of a tomboy and I was, I played a lot of sports and like was into outdoors stuff, hunting and fishing and all that. And so I naturally just ended up hanging around more guys. And don't get me wrong, I had girlfriends that are awesome people, but like they're not in music. So there's, yeah. there's a whole aspect of my life that like they don't, they couldn't possibly understand because nobody can understand it unless you're in it. You yeah, know? absolutely. And that's something I even see going back to New York. Granted, I'm on kind of this side where I'm, I'm doing the personality thing where I go out touring with a crew, but it's like there's such a such a connection. Like you build such a bond with people mm-hmm. around music and around this lifestyle yeah. because it is a hectic lifestyle. Yeah. I, mean, I remember we were in uh, we were in North Carolina together recently. Mm-hmm. You had flown in from Florida, and yeah. then it's like how many jobs do you do that where you do you go down to Florida, you play a festival, then you then you fly up and you're at some random ass Harley Davidson, <laughs> yeah. and the next day and you're you're getting a tattoo before the show and like all that <laughs> like like it's like what other job do you get to do that? It's like the yeah. coolest job in the world, but so many people don't get it. You know, yeah. they don't quite understand, especially yeah. when you're starting out. Which yeah. what was what was starting out like? Like were you was in Canada? They have like a four hour cover circuit thing, like they have <laughs> down here. Like what's what's starting out on the Canadian circuit like? Um. So I mean. When I got started, you know, obviously the first thing was going in and writing and getting the songs together to to put out a record. Um, my first single I actually wrote with Chad Kroger. No Nickelback. shit. Yeah. Me and him, uh, my manager at the time, had a relationship with him and started talking to him. She's like, I'm working with this new girl. Like, she, you know, I think she's she's really great. Like, would you would you like write with her? And so I went out to L.A. and we sat down and we wrote my first single and then well, at the time, it was just a song, and he did the demo for it. Excuse me. Hey, you're good. Sorry, go. I'm drinking beer. <laughs> um, and uh, and the demo just sounded really great. And, you know, after that, uh, he was like, well, you know, I was like, would you want to produce it? And so he did. And then at that time, it was just a single, but he said, you know, send send me stuff. Like, send me what you're working on. Like, I want to hear what you're doing. And um, I, send, I sent him a song that was a duet that I'd written. Um, and he flipped over the song. He's like, oh my gosh, I love this. He's like, let me, like, let me produce some more sides on your record. I was like, I mean, it's not let you. I'm like, I don't know if we can afford you, but like, yeah, obviously that would be amazing. And then he had asked me, he's like, so, you know, who would you want to sing this duet with you? And I was like, well, like realistically as a new unknown artist or like if I could have anyone. And he said, if you could have anyone. And I was like, honestly, I, I feel like Joe Nichols would be perfect for it. I, he, it was a very kind of traditional country kind of thing. And I just like could picture his voice on. It. He goes, oh, I know Joe. Yeah, I'll ask him. And I'm like, <laughs> OK, cool. Like, there's no way he's going to do it, you know. And then a couple weeks later, he texts me. He's like, Joe's in. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, he loved the song. He's in. And uh, so we, we cut that and a few other songs. And um, yeah, I mean, that the the duet was my first top ten. 
song in Canada. So, no shit. Yeah. So, you know, we did same kind of thing, radio tour, although it is uh, not quite as intense as here because there's just not as many stations. Yeah. It's just a, a smaller market. Um, but we did that. And then, yeah, the first, like, I guess the first festival, the first shows or first tour, I did some dates with Kit Moore, which was awesome. Um, and then the Tom Cochran thing and then getting on all the festival circuit, that, that kind of that stuff. That festival so. circuit can be exhausting. Yeah, it's, it's a like, lot. Yeah, and the thing about festivals in Canada, too, is, like, you kind of, you really got to, like, make hay while the sun shines because there's a much smaller window of opportunity to, like, play outside in Canada because yeah. it gets so cold. Um, you know, so it's like that, that summer is just like nuts. Cause you're, you're trying to play as many of them as you can. Cause yeah. that's where the best money is made too for an artist. And also like a lot of it is like on opposite sides of the country, yep. like, you know, and you're going, I can't tell you how many times I've played, you know, Cavendish out in PEI, which is like almost as far East as you can go. And then flying to, you know, Calgary to play the Stampede the next day, Jeez. which is on the complete opposite side of the country. So you're not getting a lot of sleep, that's for sure. Yeah, see, I remember actually, um, it was, and for me, it, it's like a signature, like, badass Meg Patrick moment. And what they believe, was it at a festival, I believe, in Canada? There was, a, there was some asshole in the oh. front. <laughs> and I remember watching that clip and being like, you go, Meg. Like, yeah. that's, that's, that's quintessential, like... <laughs> Yeah, that was crazy. That that was a festival in Canada, and it was like, so there were a couple things that happened too before that festival that I think made it that I like kind of snapped <laughs> the way. But I no, did. good for you for snapping because yeah. that's not right for somebody to be saying no. shit like that. Well, and here and here's the thing is like that's not the first time. I mean, shit, it's not even the tenth time some idiot said something like that to me. And most of the time, I would like you know I would crack a joke or you know talk a little shit, whatever, move on. Yeah. But, you know, for some, there was a couple things that had already happened. You know, we, we ended up, we already had a late slot for a headliner, which is like, can be tough with festivals when people have been drinking in the sun since two o'clock and you're not even going on stage till like 10 or 1030 yeah. or whatever. And, and then there was a huge delay and like, we ended up going on stage. We were already like 30 minutes later than we should have been. And so I was, I was kind of frustrated because I knew that we had lost some of the audience because people were just tired and like drunk. Yeah, it <laughs> you, happens. Yeah. You know, and it was the last night. And so anyway, I was frustrated with that. We finally get on stage, we're getting in the groove and then, you know, I'm starting to introduce a song and this guy yells it out. He says, show me your tits. And First time I was like, I didn't say anything, just ignored it, kept going. And then he said it again, even louder. And I was like, oh, okay, you want my attention, motherfucker? You just got yeah. it. And how many times can I say fuck on this podcast? Well, however many times you want. We're sponsored by a weed company. You're okay, good. <laughs> all right. Well, because there's, because I think, I think I might have broken a record for most times saying fuck inside of like a, you know, one yeah. 30 minute, 30 second speech. I just like, I don't know what it was. It, I just like saw red because he was like, it wasn't just that he said it. He was like being disruptive. Like he was like kept doing it. You know, he did it more than once. So I was like, all right, turn. I'm like, no, no, no. Put the lights on the crowd. Who said that? It's like crickets, you know, and I was like, no, 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 you said it like own up to it kind of thing. And literally everybody in the crowd just like points at this guy, like totally throws him under the bus. And I looked at him, I was like, you, I was like, get the fuck out. And he starts yelling back at me. I said, no, no, no. I said, get the fuck out. I'm like, like, this is not, this is not a strip club. You know, I'm like, I did not work my whole life, you know, to get up here and, you know, put my blood, sweat and tears into, into this performance and these songs to have it like degraded to 
show me your tits. You yeah. know, I, I just, and I just, I said, I don't even remember what I said, but I just said, I work too damn hard, motherfuckers. Fuck you. Yeah. And Amen. I, <laughs> and Amen, was, girl. And that was the, and the crowd just like went wild. Thankfully, yeah. like they were, they were definitely on my side. You know, they well, had my who back. And, well, who wouldn't be on your side? And oh, I think, and I think so many, me. and I, well, I think, I think so many, so many like, Females will see that too because a lot of folks deal with that. Yes. Like it's not just happening happening to you. Well, it was interesting because so after this happened, like, you know, after after that happened, we just we finished the set and I when I came off stage, I actually was like kind of upset. Like it was just it was such a shitty feeling to be yeah. up there and like trying to kill it and then some guy just thinks that's all you're worth. You know what I mean? And so the next day I'm in Nashville and I wake up and my buddy Sam Sumser, he he's calling me. It's like nine in the morning and I'm like, shit, like, am I supposed to be at a right right now? He's like, dude, you're a badass. I was like, thanks. <laughs> like, oh, so you had no idea that it was like this, I had this no moment. idea. Yeah. That, that this like he's like, no, he's like your video. I'm like my music video. Like, what are you talking about? He's like that video of you like cussing that guy out. He's like, it's like gone viral. It was like on Reddit and blah, blah, blah. I was like, what? And then I start thinking like oh, shit, like, am I going to be in trouble? Like, is the label going to be pissed? Like, because I had just started talking with Riser House and was, you know, going to do a deal with them. And I'm like, oh, my God, like, what if, you know, they get really upset? And I remember Jen, Jennifer Johnson, who's the head at, at Riser, she called me. Excuse me, sorry, I keep burping. Um, You're good. And she called me, and I was, like, so nervous. I'm like, is she going to be upset? And she was like, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. She said, you know, that is, that is, one of the reasons why I wanted to sign you. That's the Megan that I love. Like, and I was like, okay, so you're not mad. She said, absolutely not. She's like, I'm, we're blowing this up. I'm calling USA today. <laughs> like I'm doing this. So all yeah. of a sudden I'm like doing all these like interviews and everything around this. And, and I started, re and I made a post about it on my social media, kind of explaining things. And I, basically what I said was like, I'm not sorry for what I said. Could I have said fuck less? Yeah, probably. But you know, I didn't have time. I wasn't afforded the luxury of like time to like, create this well thought out speech I just I honestly said exactly what I was thinking as I was thinking it and said it with the the amount of anger and passion that I was feeling about it and you know it within the industry I was it, there was an overwhelming amount of like positive support and I got a lot of really awesome messages from like other female artists being like you know I've had that happen to me and I've never said anything and it always bothered me and like you just literally gave me the courage to say something the next time because, you know, I was worried that people like I would get backlash for it and whatever. And so, you know, for a while it was like really positive and then it got really dark. Um, really? Yeah. I had um, one of my friends, her mom was like at work and this woman at her work was like, hey, have you seen this video? Like, isn't your daughter like friends with her or whatever? So somebody that was at the festival had posted it on on Facebook and, and like in support of me, this was someone that was a fan of mine. And she started going through the comments and sent it to me. And I like, I'm pretty tough. I got a pretty thick skin, but it was absolutely horrible. The things people were saying, just like, oh my God, like, I don't even want to say it. Yeah. It's like, it was just really, really nasty. And just like, you know, because I expected, you know, some people were mad about the language, like, oh, there, there might have been children there. And I was like, okay, well, if you bring a child to a music festival at, and they're still there at, like, midnight, like, they're going to see and hear adult things. Also, like, I'm not the fucking Wiggles, okay? I'm, yeah. not, I'm not a child entertainer. I'm a grown-ass woman who, does, who makes music for grown-ass people. And, like, yeah. and also, if you think that a woman using the word fuck to stand up for herself is the most damaging thing your child saw on the internet today, you... <laughs> 
you are <laughs> delusional. You've got no idea. Like you think like if you if you have a kid that's on social media, I mean, first of all, they're I guess they're supposed to be what fourteen or older. At least and you think they haven't heard that word before. Yeah. Like, like get over yourself. Also, it's not my. I'm not, it's not my job to raise your kids. Like that's Absolutely. your job. Absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. But yeah, it was that was the tough part, and and I had to remind myself that like, you know, for lack of a better term, these are people from the uh, shallow end of the gene pool. Like these are yeah. these are people that like are just get on the internet. They're keyboard warriors. Trolls. You know, the they're trolls. trolls. Yep. They're miserable people. Like, and I sh- you shouldn't care. You know what they think, but. That was like kind of my one of my first tastes of like really being like bullied and attacked online. And it was it was tough. (laughs) I I had to like give myself some boundaries on like going online and like just not looking at it for a while because it really bothered me. Yeah. Well, I think I speak for everybody in in Nashville in our our music world when I say like that was the uh, end of the day, end of discussion. Um, badass moment for real. Like I remember watching that, being like, "You go, Meg." So last year, to, last year, so that happens twenty nineteen. So twenty twenty, hmm. we find out about this thing called COVID. Mm. World shuts down. You yeah. you have dual citizen. Are you you have dual citizenship? Yes. Yeah. So you have dual citizenship, and borders are closing, gigs are ending. What what got you through last year? Because last year I'm trying weed and whiskey. Weed and whiskey. <laughs> hey, there. No, I mean, I'm with you on half of that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, it was it was really 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 tough because I was like. I was kind of at this place where, you know, I was kind of really having, I was like peaking in Canada. I was on my first headlining tour yep. in Canada, I had just been on a uh, sold out like Old Dominion arena tour with Mitchell. Um, I had just signed my U.S. record deal and like we were trying, we were getting ready to like go to radio with my first U.S. single. I had all these big festivals lined up. Like I was literally like in this position where, you know, all signs are pointing to like this, your shit is about to blow up. Like this is going to be your year. And, um, and then it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> and so as soon as I knew that this like realized like, okay, we're losing shows. Like this is, and the light at the end of the tunnel is getting further and further away and just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And so I was like, all right, I've got to make the best of this time and just write a bunch of songs. I just, I'm going to focus on my songwriting. I'm going to I'm going to work at it in a way that I have never done before, because to be honest, like before that, I mean, I writing for me was like I'd be on the road most of the time. I'd come home for like three days, go in and write maybe two or three of those days and then write back out on the road. So I never had a lot of time to really like work at songwriting. And so and then the worst part of it was like after I told myself that this was my plan, it was like I had just like the worst writer's block. Like just, I was so, like I swear, like I couldn't have written a song to save my life. I couldn't, I had no ideas. I had no inspiration. I was just like probably partly because I was just really depressed and upset about everything that was going on. So I told myself like, all right, stop beating yourself up over it. Just this is what you're going to do. Every day for at least one hour, you're going to sit down with your guitar and you're going to you're going to work on something like you don't have to write a whole song like even if you just sit there and come up with a cool riff or a melody or a little bit of lyrics or whatever it is for at least 1 hour like if after an hour you got nothing cool you stop you you tried if it turns into something else great and being more intentional about my creative process really changed something yeah. for me and i and and then after that i felt like i started writing some of the best songs i'd ever written 
because I was really like I was making it a job. I wasn't just like showing up to the right and like using whatever, I guess, natural ability I have to write a song. I was working at it and yeah. I was, you know, making time to work at it outside of the writing room. So that was kind of what got me through was just trying to immerse myself in the creative part of things. I was I wanted to spend more time, you know, playing my guitar, getting better at guitar and I learned how to use Pro Tools so I could hey, you know, start there you you know, go. doing that kind of thing. And so, yeah, I, I think there was a lot of positive things that, that came out of it, but there's still a part of me that feels very bitter about what I feel like was taken away and the way it's still affecting my career now. You know? Well, how's 2021 been going? You know, it's there's been some some good and some bad. I mean, it's, you know, I lost, like, basically all, even though we got shows back here in the U.S., like, I only had so many shows for the U.S. and like I had a lot of stuff that was supposed to be happening in Canada. Oh yeah, and like nothing, they everything just kept getting canceled, and so it sucked because like there were some U.S. things that I had turned down to play in Canada because one, I I needed to you know keep up with my audience there, but also like that was my, you know that was my money maker. You know I'm not really where I'm at in the U.S level right now it's like i'm i'm just kind of barely breaking even whereas like in canada i make good money yeah and so i had this whole plan to essentially use the money i was making in canada to help support and supplement my touring in the u.s yeah people don't realize that when you what like there's so much that goes into touring mm -hmm. and goes into promotion and goes yeah. into all that stuff there's so many expenses yeah. the it breaking takes a while to actually make money yeah like it, to actually profit it does it does now for for Canada, where's where would you say? And I don't mean to put you on the spot, but where's like the best Canadian market? Like where where do you know you're gonna go and it's gonna be a crowd that's gonna gonna do the research, sing back the words, they're gonna be rowdy, they're gonna buy the merch. Like I mean, you know, obviously, I'm from Ontario, so like I my biggest fan base is still there because I've toured there the most. Like Boots and Hearts is a big festival there. That's that's kind of always been like my favorite because it's kind of like a hometown festival for me and I yeah. know I'm going to get like my hometown crowd and, you know, the people that have kind of been there from the beginning. But, you know, also, I mean, there's a lot of great, I mean, Calgary, like the Stampede is always crazy. Um, but then, you know, there's a lot of markets that are in kind of all the in-between middle of nowhere, like prairie provinces where, you know, it's not the biggest market, it's not always the biggest crowds, but the the quality of the crowd is so good because they don't get as many shows, you know, so as some they, of them. When the, they come out, they're going to show out. Yeah, it means a lot to them exactly. that you're coming to their their yeah. little farm town. Yeah, they, they don't get as many shows as some of the other bigger markets get. And so, yeah, like when they do get a show, like they're, that's like the thing and they're coming to party, like they're having a good time. So in some ways, those crowds can sometimes be even more fun than some of the bigger crowds because they're really like into it. Hell yeah. Now you mentioned Chad Kroger earlier and I've got, I got my Jordan Rager shirt on mutual, mm -hmm. good mutual friend of ours. Right. And he's, he's, he's on my side with this. So is, so is our buddy Ben Miller. And I believe McElwain is too. Why do people hate Nickelback? Why do you think that is? Because I love Nickelback. Dude, I, first like, of I don't all, get it. First of all, I just, I don't know how this like became a thing because I just don't believe that that many I like I just like honestly y'all are lying because the sales would suggest otherwise. Yeah, there's no way as like as many people that say they hate Nickelback. There's no way that that it's even true, and I, I don't even know why. I mean, honestly, I just think when you start doing something right, you, that's when you get haters. You know, if yeah. if you don't have haters, you're doing something wrong. You're you're not like I've always said. I would rather be a polarizing artist where like either you love me or you hate me but at least either way you feel really strongly about me you give I, enough of a fuck yeah, to feel one way exactly to feel some way as opposed to just like 
feeling nothing and being like, who, you know, whatever. So I don't know. I, th- I think also just because there was probably like a lot of people that listened to more because they got so popular. It's like in some genres, I feel like being becoming popular is like, you know, a bad thing. It's like, oh, they're sellouts. Yeah, they're a sellout. You know exactly. What I mean? yeah. yeah. And like, I think in that genre, that's like, that's a thing. Yeah, and it's funny too. I mean, when you when you look at it, like, because who their producer was is now a very top producer in country mm-hmm. music. So yep. it's like people shit on Nickelback, but they're still jamming a lot of the artists that are now being produced by mm-hmm. Joey Moy. The same or jamming the songs guy. that Chad has written. Yeah, I mean, Chad's a great songwriter, and he's written country songs like, too. Yeah, so I, like, I know he wrote with you. Who else? Who else was he? Was he? Um, I'm trying with? to remember. He had a Tim McGraw cut. Um, oh, a no while shit. ago I did not know that <laughs> That's Don't awesome. quote me on that But I'm almost positive But somebody in that realm like Yeah but I mean He he loves country music Like to be honest Like when I Before I went to go write with him And when, when it was brought up to me It was I was like really I'm like the Nickelback guy Like And she was like No 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 Like he's he He's a country boy Like he loves country music He's a great writer And I was like Okay well yeah sure I mean why not Like we'll, we'll go do it And like being in in the room And writing with him he really is a fantastic songwriter and he's really passionate about it. He's really passionate about country music. And then, you know, beyond that, going into the studio with him when when we were like picking songs and going over songs, doing that process with him was really enlightening because I realized how he became as successful as he was because, you know, we would sit and we would listen through songs and then once we would pick once we picked the songs we went through all of those songs with like a fine tooth comb and he would be he would literally be like okay do you think that the melody the lyrics you know all of that is completely on point or are there are there any weak spots are there any parts that you feel eh about because if you do we're going to fix them right now you know and he was like he was really hard on me about that and i'd be like well like there was one thing i'd be like well no, it's like, this is what I mean when I when I say this lyric. Like, it's supposed to be, it's like, da-da-da-da. He said, let me ask you this. He said, when this, song's, when this song comes on the radio, are you going to be sitting in the passenger seat next to the listener, able to explain to them, you know, what you meant by that lyric? He said, no. He's like, so you got to find a way to make it clear, you know? And so I, I learned a lot from him in that that process of, like, how to be, you know, that's that's how you go from the difference between a great song and a hit song. Yeah. For sure, uh, and he's a great guy to learn from. Obviously, I mean mm-hmm. the yeah, he's done all right. Yeah, he's done done pretty good for himself. <laughs> he's all about um, passionate something else, something that you're passionate about, and they're they're looking really good now. And I'm sure there's been years where where you the the Buffalo Bills. When I yes. think of Buffalo Bills, and for me being a New Yorker, they are the one true team that plays in New York, mm-hmm. even though they do play some games over the border in your mm-hmm. neck of the woods. Um, how, when, where did your passion for Buffalo Bills football really come from? Because I've seen every, every Sunday in the football <laughs> season, like you're, you're yeah. decked out, Jersey, you're repping. Yeah, I'm going. Um, my mom is from Buffalo. Okay. So yeah, I, you know, I spent a lot of time in Buffalo growing up with her family and it was just, I mean, I was kind of, I was kind of born into it. I didn't really have a choice in that house. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are the, do you think they could win it this year? I mean, I think. I, don't, I, I think that we can definitely get to the Super Bowl. I do. I think, like, just the trajectory of this team over the past three years has been so steady, like, just getting better and better and better and, and really fast. 
Um, and I think we've added some some new pieces to the team that that are really going to like round it out. I mean, I think Sanders is going to be a huge like see, yeah. just watching him play the last couple weeks, you know, because some of our other, you know, offense, they're they're really great, but they're still young and they don't have that same experience. So I think having someone like him that is still very athletic, you know, very dynamic, but has experience um, is going to be yeah. a big asset because I think that's that is one of our or has been you know, one of our downfalls at times is, is inexperience. Like, and the same with Allen. I mean, he's, he's obviously very talented. He's very athletic. I think he's smart, but I think he's still, he lets emotions yeah, he's get still, the better of him sometimes. Yeah, he's still you know? young. He's still I mean, young, yeah. you know? And so, but I've, but I feel like I've watched him learn from those mistakes and, yeah. and really adjust and, and correct them. And so, I mean, obviously, We've been playing very well yeah. the, la- the last couple weeks, but granted, I, I don't think we've really faced a, a, a really, really aggressive team yet. So we've got Kansas City, we've got yeah, the Chiefs next that's, week. That's so, a big one. So I'm kind of like I'm kind of reserving my my thoughts on this until I see how they play against the Chiefs. Because like I'm sitting here, I'm like, I just I hope that they don't. You know, they need to go into this game like they haven't been whooping ass for the last two weeks like they need to go in hungry and not like assume anything yeah and it's got to be nice going up to new england not seeing tom brady oh man (laughs) you know it's the the crazy thing is like i don't hate him as much anymore i don't either i kind of like him now yeah (laughs) yeah it's kind of i have hated tom brady like my whole life and now i'm like yeah i like tom brady (laughs) yeah seeing him seeing him and gronk and it's amazing you take him out of fox take him out of new england out of foxborough and 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 uh, because i i don't mind rooting rooting for tom brady now either and Mm -hmm. i'm from new york anything massachusetts anything boston new england i'm gonna i'm gonna be against it was like almost like he got put into like an underdog position all of a sudden yeah you know and he and he like he did he showed us all why he's the goat you know yeah (laughs) yeah yeah why why he's the best you big hockey girl Honestly, no. No, I mean, I I like hockey, but I never followed hockey the way I did football. I mean, I know that sounds crazy. I guess I'm like a bad Canadian for that. <laughs> but I think part of it was that, um, like, the Leafs just sucked for such a long yeah. time, and they, like that w- would have been like kind of my home team. And I was like, okay, I'm already a Bills fan and a Jays fan, and I'm like, I'm not taking on a third shitty team. Yeah. So <laughs> I kind of like was like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna claim any hockey teams like I would always watch it and I, I love the sport itself but um like also to go see the Leafs like it was so freaking expensive yeah, they are the top ticket in it's Toronto insane. yeah and I'm like to you're gonna pay that much to go watch them suck like to watch them lose like yeah. I could go and see our OHL team like the Oshawa Generals for 30 bucks and get a beer for half the price you could get in Toronto and like they play better hockey than the Leafs <laughs> <laughs> you know so yeah. but then you know when I moved to Nashville Mitchell is a huge Preds fan, and so I decided it made sense for me to be a Preds fan. So yeah, and and you were you've been in town long enough that you remember the the chaos that yes. was CMA Fest, yes. Preds Stanley Cup, Bonnaroo, mm-hmm. all going on at the same time. I've been coming in town long enough to remember when they were like nothing, when they like weren't good, and you would go to a game and like it was only half full. <laughs> yeah, and now it's like now it's now they're pretty hard tickets to get, and it's yeah. like and you have the visiting teams that come in. Cause mm-hmm. I used to work on Broadway. I was a door guy at Whiskey Row, mm-hmm. so I'd work weekends, and you'd always deal with the visiting fans that would come in for the Preds mm-hmm. and for the Titans. And I got to say, the Bills fans were my favorite. Oh yeah, like we had Eagles fans, we had Patriots fans, we had Raider fans, we had 
Colts well, fans, if, if and they were horrible. Weeks, about, Bills are about to come take over now. Yes, and I'm really, I'm looking forward to it because the Bills fans, they were always super nice. All they would do is climb up a tree and jump through a table. They they tip you on the way out. No yeah. fights, no bullshit, no, yeah. no shit talking. They were super cool, easy yeah. going, just fun people. I said to get drunk and jump through tables. It's, it's a, yeah, no, it's a good vibe. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget the first time I got to see a game at the Ralph and like go to the tailgate and everything. And like, it's. I mean, at the time, the football was terrible, but the tailgate was great. Yes. So <laughs> I thought you were going to say the first time you jumped through a table, and I was like, oh, you man. You know, I have to be honest, I never have. You haven't done that yet? Mm-mm. I actually said last year that if if the Bills went to the Super Bowl, I would I would jump through a table. And so I'll I'll keep that, that word. That would be incredible content right yeah, there. Yeah, if, if, if the Bills go to the Super Bowl... I will jump through. There's your viral TikTok moment. Which, what do you think of that, by the way? Because you're somebody who's been around for a long time. What's what's that? What's what's that been like? On oh, social yeah. media wise. I don't know if we have enough time to talk about how I feel about TikTok. Um, <laughs> you're you know, good. Okay, so because because I've heard so many like mixed things, and yeah. obviously, I mean, I've what what me and Matt get to do every weekend is in a way kind of a result, but I don't think of like our bar, our Mr. Trey Lewis, as a TikTok guy because mm-hmm. he's been doing music like. The TikTok, the the TikTok music artist is somebody that I think of. It's never played a show that does the mm-hmm. the the lip syncing of the lyrics, like does all yeah. that stuff, yeah, yeah, which yeah. to me kind of drives me a little nuts. Yes, well, here's here's my thing. Like, so my biggest focus, and and, and I would say one of my biggest strengths as an artist is my live show. Yeah, you know, I. I I pride myself in not just getting up there and singing, but being an entertainer. Yeah, like, which you, know, you, you and, do a great job of, by you. the way. Well, and I, because I've been doing it for a long time and it's always, and it's also the thing I love the most. I mean, some of it, you know, it's equal parts like just passion and like loving what I do and just hard work and like really, like, I don't just get up and sing. I put, we put thought into putting on a show. And because that was one thing that I I would notice is like, especially for females, and this is no slight on any female or anything, but like I would see like some female artists, it's like they looked pretty and they sang great, but they just kind of stood up there and sang. And I was like, well, yeah, it's great that you can sing and that you're pretty, but like this is a boring show. And I was like, and I told myself, like, I don't ever want to be that girl. I need to like be dynamic, be an entertainer, you know, and like going out like with Kip like on that first tour. Oh, Kip yeah. Kip is that guy. Yes, he you know, is. he is he's an entertainer. And and so many of my my favorite artists are, you know. And and also like I've even outside of country like I'm very influenced by a lot of rock, you know, rock bands and and rock musicians that are just like wild, you know. So um the thing sorry, going back to TikTok. <laughs> you're, you're good, girl. You're good. Um when TikTok came on like to for me personally, I hate social media. Like I hate that it's a necessary part of my career. Like if I was not an artist, I I probably wouldn't even have it. Like just because for a number of reasons, like one, I hate the idea of just being glued to my phone and like obsessing over likes and views and shit like that all the time. And two, also because I feel like a lot of what you see on there is just so like disingenuous and like just not authentic and it's like it's a, that just it's a fake highlight reel yeah it just like feels gross to me you know and and like so when the tiktok thing happened i was like it was in a time where all we had as artists to stay connected with the fans and keep moving our careers forward was social media which was tough for me because i hated it to begin with you yeah. know and and then it's like all of a sudden tiktok becomes this thing like People are getting like massive record deals over, you know, this one viral video and like 
And then all of a sudden labels, it's like, that's all they care about. It's like, if it ain't popping on TikTok, it ain't popping, you know? And I've, I've, you know, had those conversations with a lot of artists in town who feel the same way that like all of a sudden it's like labels, you know, it comes to singles or picking songs. It's like, well, if it doesn't blow up on TikTok, then it's useless, you know? And, and that's just, that's just crazy. I mean, I think it's a valuable tool and I think that, you know, there, it, it is creating opportunities for, for some really actually talented real artists to, to get their break. But I also think there's a lot of things coming off of it that just shouldn't be, you know? And, and I also don't think that like, just because something blows up on TikTok, I don't think that necessarily correlates to an actual career. I don't think it necessarily correlates to people buying tickets and coming to your shows yeah. or even buying your records yep. or even streaming your songs. Cause like getting a like or a view on TikTok, all that that's like, all that means is that somebody kept your video on their screen for the whole time while they like took a shit or watched TV or laid in bed and they're just yeah. like scrolling. Like that doesn't necessarily mean that like, you have created a and, fan. And the demographic of TikTok is a much younger yes. demographic. Like half not... of these kids can't even come to my shows because they're not yeah. of age. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like we've yeah, like like for something that I've I've noticed out in the road is like the eighteen and over thing. A lot of clubs are starting to dip down to that eighteen and over as yeah. opposed to twenty one because they they kind of kind of have to, but yeah, it's I mean because it's different than what Vine was. Like mm-hmm. Vine was a thing, but I don't think it was as entrenched into society. Like I yeah. watch a Yankees game, and the Yankees are running TikTok ads. Like they're yeah. saying, "Brought to you by TikTok." Yeah, and it's like, what the fuck? Well, it's just TikTok. Regard even outside of the music industry, TikTok just became such a big thing because it was during the pandemic, and people literally had nothing better to do than to like sit on their phones all day. And you know, and this is the other thing too is that like TikTok is not really like it's not for music. It's not a music app. It's, it's like a entertainment app. You know, it's like, it's like not, it's really a time, it's a time killer. It's, it's yeah. a, instead of reading a book when you're sitting on the can, you're looking at TikTok. Yeah. That's what it's there for. Well, and it's also like a lot of it seems like, and this isn't everybody, you know, but like a lot of it seems like too, in order to, to get something to blow up on TikTok, you got to have some, like some thing that you're doing, you know, like some stupid, like, yeah, I don't know. What's the word? Like, some kitschy like a gimmick something like that thank you that's the word i'm looking for and i'm like i'm not gonna do that yeah (laughs) i'm like i am 34 years old and i'm not trying to get up on tiktok in a little crop top and do some stupid dance you know (laughs) just to get people to listen to my music you You shouldn't have to do that because you got really good music and people should be going to youtube or going to spotify or going to places that are more meant for music well like when did it when i just like it all of a sudden became like it wasn't good enough anymore in order to be an artist to just you know be able to write songs play an instrument sing and entertain like all of a sudden it's like no you got to be all that and you got to be a tiktok star or you don't matter and it's like i just am like again i'm like i don't think that a lot of my audience like in my demographic that are going to be lifelong fans are going to find me through tiktok you know or that that's not how i'm that's not how i win i win on a stage when i'm actually singing and actually performing because when you Win somebody over at a live show, like you probably won them over for life. Yeah, absolutely. Getting a like or a view on TikTok is means nothing. Even if it gets one song to blow up, they're gonna move on to the next thing that they find on yeah. TikTok and after le- that. And, and le- unless you and, unless you can keep them with the rest of your right. catalog and right. they come out to a show and that's something that the the TL likes well, to say. Well, at that point, is, you have to have the other pieces yeah. in place. Yeah, which is which is where you you do have some folks where where it does kind of, where it does happen and well, and Trey's one that. of them. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. like when I saw when we played that show together, 
you know, I, I really had never seen him play a full set before. And I was like, I told him, I was like, dude, I, I was impressed. Like you, you have a great show. Yeah. You, you have other songs that are great. Like you have, you are, you're a real artist. Like you're, yeah. you're really going to do this. Yeah. And that's where it can be used to the advantage is yeah. if, if you've got your shit kind of cooking. Yeah. If you've got your shit cooking, it's mm -hmm. another avenue. If radio's not fucking with you and big, big and like nobody's really, you don't have booking anything like that. It can yeah. help. But if you're just really, if you're just a kid, like 18, 19, you're just putting out, you're just yeah. getting a song to blow up on there, but you've never done it before. That yeah. That's where it kind of rubs well, that, me. That's the, yeah. I mean, the thing, the, the bottom line for me is that like, it's great in that, you know, for situations like someone like Trey, it, it's, it's just another, you know, avenue, a platform that's going to help, that's going to give somebody a break that, that needs a break, yeah. you know, but it also, it's not even, you know, even regardless of the, the ones that I, you know, that are getting record deals and whatever else that I just don't think and, and what's and what's wild is they're probably those. That's another thing you got to watch out for. I know you've you've you're signed and you're with the Riser House and stuff, mm -hmm. but you've always people kind of see they're like, oh, record deal and deals are always a little bit different too. So mm -hmm. you have kids signing signing yep. these deals and they have no idea what they're getting they're themselves not, into. Most and, of them are not good deals. Yeah, their song will blow up and they own no right to the master. Mm -hmm. They owe, they they have to do this the this and this. Label will make bank off off the master and it won't matter if if the artist ever does anything else beyond that because yeah. they they'll they'll make their money back and then some and unless the artist like manages to hold on to that audience and has like a killer single to follow which it up which is then very tough gonna, to do it's very tough to do and and it's also from again for me and then we can get off of it but like it's it's also the idea that like I'm not mad at the people that have gotten success or record deals because of it like that's great for them what's frustrating to me is is that it has become this thing that has become so you know, all important to the industry that like if you're this idea that like if you're not blowing up on TikTok that you're not worth it or you're you're not viable or that like even if you have a, you know, even if you have a great voice, you write great songs and you're incredibly entertaining, which is what it's about. Right. It's like so what because I'm not blowing up on TikTok, I can't I, you don't want to give me a deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like it's just, that's what's frustrating to me about it is it's become too important it, it they're putting yeah. too they're putting too much weight um and importance on this thing that that might might you know pan out or might not like, yeah and then and then the next app will come along and yeah. then we just roll roll with it and stuff so so right. what's been going on with you lately as far as music coming out like what's the plan now for the end of this year going into 2022 which i'd say we're all excited for 2022 because <laughs> yes. half of this year's still been a clusterfuck yes. carrying over from 2020 yes um so you know we just put heart on my glass out um, yeah. back i guess end of june um so for right now, um, I'm I'm still I'm back writing again though. We're we're just looking to figure out what the the single is going to be for the U.S. Um, you know, my stuff in Canada is still rolling. I've got cool about it is is going to radio in Canada is my Hell next yeah. single. Uh, we just shot a badass music video for it, which Dope. I'm super like the best video I've ever done. What did you, really cool. you guys do? It you did here in Nashville. We did here. Um, my my director Sean Hagwell. He's done like my last I think like five or six videos. He's just He's awesome. He's super creative. And because um, for me, like when I make music videos, I'm always trying to look to do something a little bit unexpected or, or bring like a storyline, do something almost like a little more cinematic. Because like, you know, who needs another music video of just me glammed up doing a performance, you know, of the song. So this this video 
Um, I'll say this. It would be like if a James Bond movie and Ocean's Eleven had a baby to a country song. That's what this video is. Sounds like a video I got to watch when it comes out. I'm excited. Hell yeah. I'm really excited. So, yeah. So, other than that, I'm just trying to make plans for next year, keep writing, you know, figure out what that single is going to be, and then hopefully, you know, we'll be getting out to radio in the U.S. um, beginning of next year. So, hell yeah. That's awesome. Man, the wheels turn slow. Yeah. As Alan Jackson says. Yeah. No, it's it's part part of it for sure. It's, It's something that. It take it takes some time, but I gotta mm-hmm. say it's I'm I'm excited for you. Like Thank you. like the yeah. me, you got you got dope ass music. You're gonna go into these new markets. You're, they're gonna get the the Meg Patrick show. And mm-hmm. I, if you're not a fan, like I don't yeah. I don't <laughs> fuck with you if you don't fuck Meg Patrick. You know, like it. personally. So yeah. um, but yeah. So a couple of Nashville questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, favorite Mexican joint in town? So we got a million of them, which I did oh, not expect man. coming from New York. I did not expect that. Nashville would have a shit ton of Mexican food. Are you not a big Mexican fan? No, I love Mexican. You know what? There is one that I went to that was in West Nashville, like near the Nations the other day that was really good. I can't remember what it was called, though. Um, But I... Uh, Mas Taco is good in East. I mean, honestly, they're all, like, pretty good. I, I don't even, like... Trying to think, like, what's a plate? Well, then, if not, if not, like, a specific Mexican joint, what's a joint that's like, this is my favorite spot? Um, I mean, Mitchell and I go to Urban Grub a lot because nice. it's like by the house. Yeah. It's kind of like one of our favorite spots. Um, my friend um, RJ has a place called St. Stephen's in uh, Germ- Germantown. Yeah, which is awesome. Um, also, I mean, so I love steak. So any any steakhouse, any of like those steakhouses, King yeah. Prime is really good. Um, Luke Bryan's new place. What's that E3? called? E3 is yeah, really that place, good. That place, that place slaps for uh-huh. sure. Um, What's your red door? Your, your, I'm drunk on a weeknight because I'm usually out on the road on the weekends. What's your drunk red night, red door order? Are you a potato salad girl? Are you a pizza girl? Oh, uh, usually, I know, Fa- I know Farron likes them pizzas. Oh yeah. I usually, I go for the, sometimes I go for the pizza. Sometimes I go for like the turkey sandwich with the potato salad because that potato salad is I don't know what they put in there, but it's another level. It's like, so good. But Red Door, I have this theory of Red Door too, because again, I don't drink, so it's like for me, it doesn't affect me too much. Mm-hmm. But they, the times, like it takes a minute to get yourself a drink and to get food at Red Door, and mm-hmm. I feel like part of the reason they do that is because then you just stick around longer, mm-hmm. and you get it's like a it's like you get trapped in a hole. Like yeah. you could be at Red Door for six, seven hours, and it oh, just yeah. kind of sucks you in. Yep, for sure. I mean, I like. I don't know. Midtown has changed so much since like since I moved here and it's like I now I I mostly only really want to go there like more like post right afternoon vibe. And then like after it gets dark, it's just like sometimes you you will you will launch at Losers Girl. Oh, yeah, for sure. I've never done launch at Losers. Like I've never been there early enough. Great chicken tendies. Really? Mm -hmm. Better than Live Oaks? I don't know if I've ever had them at Live Oak. You haven't had Live Oak's chicken tendies? Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like every time I go there, I'm usually playing around. I don't like to eat right before oh, I sing, okay. so I don't I usually you. eat when I'm there. I got you. Yeah. Well, we'll have to have you come out, and okay. we'll have to get you some, some chicken tendies Let's and some it. of our Delta 8. We'll get you munchies and chicken oh, tendies, a match made in heaven. Speaking my language right now. Yeah. You know you know, we got you. Um, what's something that you wish you could tell your you could tell uh, Meg, Meg, younger Meg, when she first moved here? You wish you knew when you moved. Um, hmm. You know, it's weird because, like, part of me feels like I wouldn't want to do anything different because I, I believe that everything happens for a reason. And if there's anything I know, 
tough lessons learned turn into good songs. So, you know, if I did everything perfectly, maybe I, <laughs> maybe yeah. I wouldn't have written great songs because of it. Um, We've but, been just mental psyche, like moving yeah. to town and not really knowing anybody. I mean, I think it's like one of the things that that's tough when you when you first move here, like, you know, one to just be be patient and and like you got to find that that fine line between going out and networking and like doing it too much. Like the first year that I was here, like I drank a lot. I went out a lot and it was it was a little too much at times. And it's like, you know, go out. But like leave by midnight instead of three or leave by, mid- <laughs> leave by midnight's tough you know it, it is tough but it's like just learning that like yes it's important that you go out and and you network um but you you gotta like set some boundaries for yourself too you know because also being out when you when you get super drunk is not a good thing for you either when you're trying when you're around like that's the other thing too like Wherever you are, there's a really good chance that half or more of the people in that bar work in the industry in some capacity. So don't act a fool because, like, you are people are watching and people. It's a small town. It's a it is small industry. People talk. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I think the other thing I would say too is like, when you get here, it's really it's really overwhelming and intimidating because all of a sudden you are surrounded by some of the most talented people you've ever met and and really successful people and like you want that obviously and it can get easy to like get caught up trying to chase things that aren't for you you know like trying to chase a sound or a song or whatever because it worked for somebody else when the only thing you should be chasing is is who you are and how to be how to do something that only you can do you know because all all of the best most successful artists that like become like icons like there's nobody else that does what they do you know like a like an Eric Church or or whatever like the you just you got to find your own thing and not get distracted by what everybody else is doing you know Amen that's what it's all about mm-hmm. there's something to be said for authenticity and and when I think of authentic people in Nashville I think of yourself I think of the rest of the bad bitches and there's this wave of authenticity coming through right now that's really really awesome so Meg thanks so much for for joining us and Absolutely. hopping on all the socials, it's what? Meg Patrick at pretty uh, much everything? Yeah, Meg, Meg Patrick Music for Instagram and Twitter and then Facebook. It's just my full name. Megan with an H. M-E-G-H-A-N. Megan Patrick. with an H. There yep. you go. People always forget the H. Awesome. So. And make sure you guys check out her stuff on Spotify and Apple Music. Well, you guys, thanks for listening to another edition of the In the Round podcast. Um, big shout out to Meg Patrick for joining us today. Remember to check out the sponsors. Uh, Whaletail Media, Saxman Studios, and of course our friends in the green world at Trailside CBD Emporium, that tasty, legal Delta 8 THC. Use promo code ITR at checkout. Save yourself 20% off. We'll see you all next time. This has been the In the Round Podcast.